Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Off Point at 30. This is, my name is Les Steed. I'm Marlon White. And today's topic is um, how to turn a negative situation into a positive one. Um, okay, so as a premise, um, obviously I'm quite negatively minded. Um, so, because I'm always like sulking about something and like, um, you know, obviously I'm quite vulnerable to depression as well. So um, for me, it's quite, it's been quite a big struggle sometimes trying to um, make something that is negative um, into sort of something that I can be okay about. Um, I was writing an article for um, a magazine actually earlier today, and it was all about um, the experience of getting fired and then um, stuff like that. But we talk a lot about work, so I'll try and move away from work as soon as I can. Yeah. Um, but one of the most negative things I always experience is obviously, you know, and this is one of the reasons we talk about it a lot, is um, breakups and also um, losing your job or losing something you really care about. Um, and I think that, um, but I, it, you kind of like take that and it's a big thing and then it takes like six or seven months. And um, I don't know about you, Marlon, but I tend to just go traveling or, um, you know, like get away, you know, because I tend to save up some money and then I end up blowing all my savings on it. I'm just getting over that thing while I'm looking for another job um, or while I'm, you know, well, looking for somebody else to love. So I think with, um, with neg- turning negative situations to positive ones, I think that for me, it's not a question of, um, actually turning it into a positive like quite quickly it's more like learning from it um, so that you can then take another negative situation and handle it better yeah uh, how about you I always try to flip the situation so I mentioned on my spin-off podcast I was pointing at Marlon how when I was in school reason why me and Les are like two years apart in universities because I had to spend a couple of years um, retaking things because I wasn't focused in school so I, I took me failing in school to kind of um, flip that situation into um, getting actual qualifications and going on to university. But you always like turn something that's negative into a positive, really. It could be any little thing in life, really. It could be just like, um, say somebody said you're overweight, don't get, like, don't get upset about it. Just change that situation. Go to the gym, lose some weight. Or tell them to fuck off. Yeah, that as well. Um, I mean, I wish I had a friend of mine who, um, who now, I think, has an eating disorder. I don't know, we don't talk anymore. But she was one of my best friends in life. Uh, as I was growing up and I made the mistake of saying of passing on a message from someone who was a bit of a meanie um, and he's like, he, this guy dumped her and um, and she was like why did he dump me and the guy said you have to tell her and I was like well okay firstly you're a cunt you should tell her but I was 13 I was dumb and I told her it was because uh, he thought she was fat and it did not go well uh, mm. I would never ever call anybody fat ever again mm. um, but hold on before let me stop you there for a second do you um what if somebody was able to take that situation of some that negative comment of somebody kind of shaming them for being overweight and flip that to being the healthiest person that they could ever be just because of that comment they took that they took that that negativity and turned it into a strength to kind of like show them like yeah look at me do you think sometimes that that can be like a positive in a ne- negative situation that you made a lifestyle change just because somebody shamed you? What do you think about that? No, because I mean, like, because um, this particular person um, went, in my opinion, probably the wrong way. Mm. Um, her weight became about control. Mm. Um, and subsequently, she found herself like sort of heading towards a more uh, eating disorder route rather than yeah. uh, positive. Um, for me, I mean, I've got quite a big belly on me sometimes. Um, yeah. Turns out I'm yeah. probably allergic to wheat, but 
Um, so this time two years ago, uh, there's a picture of me, uh, actually one of the best weeks of my life. Uh, for my birthday, me and my ex went to um, Venice. And there's this picture of me and I just look like a big fatty. And like, you know, I've got like, you know, I've got like a massive gut and that's all that anyone commented on. And yeah. um, I mean, they weren't wrong. Uh, it's a picture. You can tell I definitely wasn't, you know, I mean, I wasn't hiding a six pack. That's for yeah. sure. Um, you know, and I wasn't puffing out. I probably had just had a couple of beers and my stomach had just gone. Mm. But um, it has led me now to uh, looking at my diet and also to um, changing my diet as well. But they, but you got shamed. You said then people were saying stuff about your picture, and now you've made yeah. now you've made healthy decisions. Let me tell you a quick story. So um, my uncle was going out with this girl, and um, she seen me, and I was like, this is right 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 by the time I was playing on. Um, just after she seen me just before I played basketball, just while I was playing basketball, so I was quite thin. Mm. So I stopped playing basketball around about the age of nineteen. So I wasn't really doing any sports. So I was just kind of chilling. So then um, she saw me like probably a year or so later from the period when I was playing basketball, keeping in shape, and saw me afterwards. And she goes, "Oh, you're you're brought, you're you've gotten bigger." And she, like, I don't mean taller. I mean like bigger. That like, you 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 gained weight. Your hands. Yeah, did yeah, she did the hands. Yeah, she like you, I don't. She like, I don't mean up. I mean you're what getting. A bitch. Yeah, you can't yeah. do that unless yeah. you're someone's mum or Asian yeah. for some reason. Asians just no problem. Yeah, like they don't hesitate. My kids at, at school would just come up to me and go, "Mister, you fat." Boom in the stomach. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you can't hit a kid. You can't hit a kid. Yeah. You can't hit a kid. You can't hit a kid. So yeah, I stopped playing sports. So I was just eating normally and um. I gain weight quite easily, so I didn't really weigh my. I've, I've, I haven't worn my weighed myself in quite some time, so I'm like, oh, don't do it. It yeah. ends in screen. So that, that night, I went home and got on the scale, and I'm like, oh, I've actually gained about two, three stone since playing basketball. What's that kilos? Um, what was I weighing at the time? So I was probably about eighteen stone at the time. Fuck. Yeah, I was about eighteen stone at the time. So oh. it's not that crazy for somebody my height, to be honest. Eighteen stone, but I mean. Yeah, I was 18 stone. I can't, I can't remember how much that's in kilos. I'm about 16 stone now. So at the time I went on, um, I lost two I lost two um, stone at the time because of wow. that comment. Yeah. In how long? Uh, about two months. Just like, two months? Did yeah. you stop eating or? Well, I, I, used to, I went on like a um, very low fat diet where I just eating um, two meals a day and just, just exercising and just, yeah. Lost that, mm -hmm. lost two stone. So based on her comment, I took that and just like, I'm going to lose some weight. The thing when you gain weight sometimes, I think everybody's been through this where you kind of don't really, you know, you know it's happened, but you know it's happened, but you're in denial about it. You're like, oh, it's not that bad. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. You kind of talk to yourself, oh, I still fit, I kind of still kind of fit into my clothes or I can still fit. Yeah. Into, I might not wear that trousers today, but I can fit into my other trousers fine. Yeah, the one that I found was when I realised that I couldn't fit into any of my shirts, so I started having to use my dad's shirt to go to work, and I put it down to having a hangover. But it, it wasn't—I wasn't drinking the night before. Yeah. I had just my my gut had just there, yeah. and I think it's just probably because I was under a lot of stress at the time as well. But yeah. like, it's it. Did you ever? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, it was when I realised that I'd um, that I that I couldn't wear my own work shirts and might have to start buying a new wardrobe. That yeah. I was like, well. I'd, got to do something about this so i promptly did absolutely nothing about it um and just sort of started eating less um yeah. like, you know coffee for breakfast that kind of thing which isn't healthy at all no um but i have found though and i don't know if this applies to you as well but um for me like the person who tells me i'm fat nowadays is usually my mum yeah same um, my mum as well 
yeah, mums are brutal. Yeah. Mums are brutal. Like, you know, I mean, like, you, you, you're just sitting there, it's like, oh, it's unconditional. Um, and he's like, you know, but the, the irony is, I was living at home for two years, and in those two years, I got fat, all right? And I wasn't cooking for myself as much as she was cooking. And I'm just saying, it, <laughs> granted, yeah, a lot of it probably was the beer and the wine. Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't that fat in Indonesia, um, <laughs> and I wasn't that fat now. Um, and there's this little gap in between, which yeah. I was living with mummy, and um, I got fat, and somebody was the first one to sit there poking me in the tummy again. I was like, oh, it's like Asia again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so i think there's like the, the big thing a few years ago about like fat shaming and i think um people are like, oh yeah it's the worst thing but what if you save that person's life because if they continue on that road they could die an early death easily depending on how big they get and we've all seen those like horror stories of people that are bed bound can't get out of bed and the only thing they can do is eat all day long and what somebody was to in well while, while they could while they had a chance of Changing their life, said to them, said that, said to them at a reasonable time, like, yeah, mate, you're getting fat, and said, and, that, and they felt so ashamed about it, so bad about it that they went and went to the gym and changed their life. And don't get me wrong, I don't think I don't think people should be humiliated to the point where they don't want to make changes. But I think a little shaming every now and again can you can take that that negativity and turn it to positive. I wouldn't say it was sort of a shame. I think that it depends who's saying it. Because for me. Um... If, and it also depends on who you are as a person yeah. taking that. Because yeah. for me, it would be like if my mate sat me down, or if if you know Louise and I sat down and said, "Look, we're both getting fat. We need yeah. to do something yeah. about this." We would sit down, we'd devise a plan. It would be a frank yeah. and honest conversation yeah. Yeah. based on medical. But um, and I think that if I was to sit there with a good, a good friend of mine and be like, "Look, mate, the reason that you know, like you're probably struggling a little bit of getting up those stairs," and I was a bit worried, I'm a bit worried about you. Um, you know, I've noticed that you've put on a little bit of weight lately and like, you know, are you okay? If you come out with that attitude mm. of being there to help them and actually having a plan rather than yeah. just simply shaming them. Because, I mean, the chances are they probably do know that they're getting a bit tubby. Yeah. But you're going to put them on the defensive if you dress mm. it that way as opposed to, again, it's this thing that Lou always taught me is um, it's us against the problem, not mm. you've got a problem. It's you and What's I the- have a problem and we're going to solve this together. What something like that doesn't work? What like sometimes for some, I think it depends. Some people are different. Some people that, that they need that, but then sometimes you're like, oh yeah, that person's just lovely. It's a lovely conversation. I can just ignore it. But somebody really embarrasses you or that says, hey, fat boy or whatever, and kind of really shames you to the point that you want to cry. Yeah, it's mean, but you cry yourself to sleep and then you go, tomorrow I'm going to join the gym so nobody can ever make me feel this way again. Well, it depends how you take it because yeah. you took it, clearly you took yeah. someone going, oh, it's that boy. Yeah. And now you, but then you've kind of got quite a big thing about your diet. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I don't really have that big of a thing about my yeah. diet. I guess, I guess with me as well, I, I know how to lose weight if I gain it. There's times I have been shamed and I felt embarrassed about it and I'm like, I'm going to make a change. I don't like the way I get treated when mm. I gain, when I have weight on, I don't like the way people treat me. So that's the reason why I keep control of what I eat and everything, just because I don't like the way I get treated when I have weight on. But like the thing is though, that when when you were like 13, 14, yeah. um, I remember trying to figure out how to get a six pack. Yeah. Because to me, that was like the big tits. You yeah. know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have a six pack and everyone's gonna go, ooh, <laughs> whenever I take my top off. It's never happened, yeah. sadly. Um, but the reality is that um, we didn't have that kind of information. Now you can find reliable, good information yeah. 
from a variety of people and like you know whereas before it was sort of like you'd have to go out your way to buy a book about dieting and that's actually quite a humiliating process yeah. you have to go out and find it and admitting yeah. that you have a problem is a huge huge hurdle is the first step in everything this is um, another this is another topic i cover on my spin-off podcast off point at marlon i'm stop um, selling yourself <laughs> but yeah we're just coming soon to a podcast near you but anyway my what i was going to say is um everybody knows how to lose weight it's not a secret quite it it's I hard mean, it's hard work it's hard work it's, it's um dedication you're going to be hungry but everybody knows if you're going to be hungry yeah. <laughs> everybody <laughs> knows how to lose weight no, it's not it's not a hidden secret everybody knows if you eat salad three times a day you're not going to gain weight you're going to probably lose weight if you were to do that yeah it's calorie intake it's yeah, not, so it's, not it's not a secret yeah. Um, moving back to the original topic, um, yeah. so how do you, I mean, in your job, obviously, you're probably going to have a lot of students ringing you up. And in my case, um, as a journalist, particularly when I was working locals, um, I was running the phones as well. Um, we had quite a lot of people ringing up to complain. Mm. Um, and in that regard, like when you're up against somebody who is having a go at you for something that's not really something you really care that much about because for example if it wasn't my article yeah i'd have to bring up their article i'd be already busy as fuck anyway yeah and then have to sit there and go through it which is fine i mean it's part of the job and if anything it's taught me a lot about people and about how to be a better journalist um but in your case um what i mean like how do you do you ever get those phone calls from people who are furious about the system or something like that not really not in my current job but i've had like furious students in front of me because i'm I used to work, for, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I used to work for a private college. So there's problem with a lot problem with these private colleges is kind of set up for student finance. People pretty much go there just because you can get student finance. They don't really go there for an education. So they'll what they'll essentially do, they'll go there, get their, they attend one week to get their, their payouts, like the first week of every term, get their payouts, which can be in London quite a substantial amount of money. It was a big mm. thing, and they shut down a lot of these colleges. The one I used, to, what the, the I've worked at two private colleges. They shut one down recently, about a year ago, and um, one is on its way out as well. So do they actually provide the education they guarantee. Yeah, they do, but most people don't take it. Most people don't. Um, it's, it's awful education. Probably everything's awful about the place, and um, like the lecturer is probably awful as well. Sorry for the lecturers. Yeah. They're actually trying their best and yeah. it's their first job as a lecturer. And they're like, I'm going to do my best for my students and no one shows up. Yeah. It's like you so, really lose a lot of talent that way. Yeah. So um, I worked I worked many jobs in this place. But um, one of my jobs I had was uh, I was an attendance officer. Mm. So basically they would come into my office to make sure the attendance is right so they can then get their money pretty much. Because obviously if it says that they haven't attended, they won't get no money. So yeah. I sort of like the first person they come and see. So um, what happened one time is um, Student Finance did some sort of investigation and kind of shut down all of the payments for everybody. And then like on the day when this news came out, all the like, senior management pissed off somewhere conveniently. So I had me sitting in the office with my colleagues not having a clue about what's happening. Just came in to a bunch of angry students asking about their attendance and everything like that. So I have had that way, like just a bunch of angry people. And this is not the typical student where they're polite and nice. This is people that have just maybe come out of prison. People, they're probably the lowest people in society you can come across. So you don't really want to be <laughs> messing around with these people. Back there either then. Yeah. 
Like, so wait, so how did you handle this? And situation? I don't mean that. To, I don't mean that to be sorry to be disrespectful to these people because I also come from that environment as well myself. But I mean, it's not the type of people that you want to like fuck around with it, their money. Also, yeah. if you're using if you're using your student finance to pay your bills and everything and whatnot, that's the reason why because they are going to college a lot of times just to get the money to pay their bills or do whatever they want. Right. To go off point quickly, I know a student that used their student finance to get a boob job, so. There's people that do that, but um, really, yeah, moving back. She's probably invested it better than she would have in a shit college. Yeah. But was it a good boob job? Was uh, it worth it? I didn't see it. She was wearing like a top. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. Like, was it obvious? No, it was like I think she was wearing a hoodie top. I couldn't see. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, so dealing with people like that, you just have to be like calm and like sort of collective. Really, you can't really. You can't meet their aggression with aggression, essentially. Uh, see, this is the problem I always have um, because of the way my brain works. I'm um, because I'm quite quick uh, when I'm not medicated, and mm. um, so for me, when we had this, I once had this uh, situation where when I first started, I was like my third week, and um, someone rang me up because um, I was trying to find this taxi rank company um, and just give them the right of replies, and people who complained to us about them saying they'd hike their prices and the um taxi and so i rang up the taxi rank being like all right guys i need you to you know answer to it otherwise i'm gonna have to put like you know didn't want to comment and i've got three hours i was there till 7 p.m um and then this guy after all the day rings me up goes absolutely batshit at me says that my paper's a rag i'm a shit journalist i'm paid too much i wasn't i was paid 16 grand um you know like i was like i was like Probably couldn't even afford. It's like, it's like, it's like yeah, just because you scum couldn't afford a taxi. I'm like, well, yeah. You don't believe um, that's probably why you're going to fuck up. And like, he was all like, but then, but then he made all these really valid arguments. He goes, "There's been a tax hike that's completely fucked us. Uber are everywhere. They don't, you know, they don't even have a real half of them don't have licenses and stuff like that." And goes on and on. And but I was like, I was sitting taking notes of all this stuff, being like, "Well, these are really valid reasons for you to be charging extra because you're trying your best." Under the circumstances, the government have made things hard for you. We can make this into a talking point that probably could help your business. Um, but I got really upset and I stopped breathing because I was like, sort of like getting all anxious. I was like, <gasps> and um, <laughs> and like the thing was, I think you'll. And he goes, yeah, you're not writing that story. You can't. You're not writing anything. And I'm like, I'm like, I think you're fine. We can write what we want. Bang. And I was like, that's an affront to the freedom of speech. And I was like, I was just like, but I just, I think that's the point where I realized because my boss fucking went ballistic. Um, but I think that that was one of the points where I realized that, um, that you do have to try and stay calm, mm. which is so hard to do. You do. Like, it really fights instinct in a huge way. And also like when you've got comebacks in the back of your head and you're like, mm. no, you will not, you know, you could get away with it. And if you started taking the piss out of them while they're angry and they're on the other end of the phone, nothing's going to happen. Um, but it's just a bit difficult. I think, mm. um, I don't know. I mean, cause I mean, if I was in your position where you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, I'd just been like, well, don't commit fraud then. And mm. um, easy, you know, or, you know, classes start on Monday. See you there. Um, not, but I mean, what did you do in the end? Did you just sort of lock the door and how did you deal with them? Basically, I just had to go through the like attendance one by one, kind of um, just talk to them, really, just kind of try to because it was a, it was a difficult situation because senior management wasn't there and I didn't really know what's going on, so I just kind of tried to let them know this is like so you can't let them know this is not my fault, this is not me doing this to you. Yeah, this is not this is not I have no power to do this to you. 
I'm just I'm just here working, doing my job. Really, just you kind of let them know that sort of thing. Yeah, but then you sound like the kind of what we're seeing with the police now, where they're saying, yeah. "Oh, orders orders came from the top, and therefore I mm. did what I was told," mm. which just sounds like no. Bullshit. But that's 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 slightly different because I didn't do anything. It's just I'm just I just yeah. work it. You understand? I didn't put in any anything into place. So you need to like, I can only check what's on the system. I can't. I didn't put this in the system. <laughs> And what part of the computer has more authority than I do? Don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever had internet trolls? Um, have I? Didn't, no, not really. Actually, that's a, that's actually an amazing thing that I haven't had any internet trolls. Nobody, please don't troll me. Nobody's yeah, trolled me. They really are sensitive. I don't know if you got that impression. Yeah. We're not, but we're doing this for a yeah. hobby. Nobody really <laughs> trolled me. There's barely, I barely, I've barely had any like negative comments about anything. To be honest, for me, have I you? Death the other day. Did you? Yeah, I got my first death threat. Well, third. Um, but for a national, I was quite... I mean, like, it, it's a rite of passage. Mm. Um, some gentleman from, I think, Virginia... No, not Virginia. Um, where is it? Where is it? I don't know. Somewhere in the, like, the arse end of nowhere. There was this body that was found um, in a golf course. Mm. And we don't write our headlines. We write the stories. But... Um, but one of the one of the headline writers had gotten cheeky and um, couldn't help himself. It was found on a golf course. It goes in the rough. Or no, he wrote something like um, like rough find, um, and then gave the headline about this girl's body being found yeah. with an in- intact skeleton, which is obviously insensitive as fuck. Mm. But also, yeah, you know, I mean, you can see where there's the pun to be had. But um, unfortunately, without reading the the pay, the, you know what it was about, I guess, and maybe he was one of her neighbours. I don't know, but um, yeah, apparently some gentleman who calls himself a comedian and um, wants to see me swinging from a tree. Apparently, there's a list of journalists that he wishes yeah. to see swinging from a tree, um, and I wanted to write back with something like, "Well, at least one of my, at least one of my puns landed, you fucko." But that's um, um so that's an example of how you can turn something um negative into a positive. That means whatever you're doing, you need to keep doing because you've affected what? somebody so much that they actually got there and wrote something about you uh no i mean like what i wanted to do from that is that i wanted to write a um a gofundme yeah. where if people troll you um then you donate then you put up the post of yeah. the trolling and donate in their name um yeah. to and then it goes to anti-bullying charities yeah and i just think that's a great idea i think like anybody that does get trolled is just that you have to think about it. You're, you're, you. Um, this it's probably somebody that's really unhappy deep down inside of themselves. Yeah. And they've seen you doing something that they wish they probably could be doing or whatever you're doing is moving them so much that they actually took time out their day to write something. That means you're doing, you're, you're doing something well. In fairness to him, it was insensitive and it was, it still it was moved wrong. him. Who moved him huh? that much that he wants to kill you? So I wouldn't say he wanted to kill me. He just wanted to see me hang off a tree, um, which, you know, I mean, could mean anything really when you think about it. I hope. Um, plus, I'm not going to go there. I mean, like, you know, if I'm going to go to America, I'm going to go somewhere like, you know, wherever our fans are from. He'll find you. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I don't want to go. I don't want to go and see that particular gentleman. He's he's not very high on my list of people I want to talk to. Um, so, but the rule is he's like, here's the left tree. Save the spot. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, he moved the tree after. Oh, crap. Right. Um, <laughs> like, like, why are you using wires? Um, but like, yeah. So um, with that, it was like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll have fun with the troll, but no, I'm not, I'm not. But I've learned though, um, and this came with teaching as well. The best thing to do is to not respond to it. Um, and you know, like every article we write, we end up with, especially in the locals, you end up with 
um, comments being like, I think one of the best ones, one of my favorite articles I ever wrote um, was 101 things that you like, you only know if you like, if you lived in Surrey. And, um, and it was like, and this idiot wrote underneath 102, the local journalists are crap. What is this trash? Ha ha. And you're just like, oh, why? Like, you know, like, I mean, clearly this guy had read the whole thing mm-hmm. and then he signed in. Like they've actually had to go through signing it. My mum wanted to sign in once. Yeah. Right, very good, dear. At the bottom of one, and gave up. Um, mm. She gave up on me during my first week, so that because she couldn't be asked with the Too flat much time. Of going through this yeah. of, of the whole like signing on thing. Yeah, so this other person has done that. He's signed on. He's gone through half an hour of sitting there trying yeah. to fill out forms and whatever. Probably given away his social security number in the process, and just to call me a prick, which is That's adorable. That is good, though. So you- cute. That is so good. That is so good for you because that means you're on the right track in what you're doing. You're moving somebody. Oh, we're so not much. trying to be antagonistic. Yeah. You're not trying yeah. to, but that, that, that's whatever ne- whatever positive reaction or negative is, a, is all a positive. I think somebody yeah, somebody getting on online, signing in, writing a long comment how how good you are is probably as equally as good as somebody getting there writing something as bad like that you're a piece of no, shit. No, it's not. Wait, no, because they're, they're not on my ego. Well, my ego wall is filled with people it's, who are like that was a really nice article. It's, but it's just based on how you're viewing things, basically. You're moving both people, like you're engaging both people. Whatever it is, if it's negative or positive, it's still engagement. Mm, yeah, but it's it's frustrating when it's not engaged yeah. commentary. So, for example, what we find quite often is that when you find a... Um, we put up a post on a group um, in on Facebook and instead of reading the article, they just read the headline, make an assumption. Oh, yeah. And then write some shit underneath it, like, oh, it's all fake news anyway. Yeah. And stuff like that. And it's like that whole fake news thing is just a pain in the dick. Yeah. It's like, when did, I mean, it's not fake news anyway. What, what fake news is, is propaganda. Mm. But Donald Trump understands the term fake news instead of propaganda because he can't say propaganda probably because mm-hmm. he's a cunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, I feel that with that whole um, fake news, fake news thing, it's, it's actually going to be quite harmful in the long run um, because 99% of the time it's not fake news. Um, if we're writing it from a reputable place, it might be slanted, it might have bias, but the chances are that it's not fake unless mm. we've made a mistake, in which case that's honest mistakes. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. That's not, I don't think we're doing it on purpose. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, moving away from work. Um, yeah, so that's another point is to never read the comments because it just, you lose faith in humanity. You really yeah. do. Um, it's exhausting. Um, but yeah, anyway. To stay on career one quick second, is, is there any like, like negative like negativity in your career that you could like turn into a positive in terms of like your career yeah, di- in terms of your career direction like could you think you could ever be shamed into making more of an advancement in your career no but i mean like particularly in the in the outset journalism is grit i mean yeah. it takes a lot um we had um my old editor i mean he was one of the best bosses i've ever had and when he was there, it was, you know, you could tell that there was a lot more motivation. He was a good leader. Um, one of the first people to sort of sit me down and say, look, stop making excuses. Stop, you know, because when people confronted me at work, I my brain instantly goes from zero to 100. So I'm thinking I'm going to get fired over a fucking typo. I mean, I was, but I'm like, but my brain is going, ah! mm. so I'm coming up with all these reasons and like really reacting before they finished a the sentence. And he just sat there and said, mate, just shut the fuck up. Um, and you know, I think that that was unorthodox, Yeah, but it was what I needed. It, it was the right thing to say. It was, look, just stop. You're good at what you do. Mm. But he, he reinforced it in a positive way. He goes, look, stop panicking. 
you're good at what you do. I just want to know, yes or no, do you know where this place is? And I was mm. like, uh, and you know, and then panic, panic, panic. But then Bridge just, no, I don't know. And so it's okay to not know. So to stay on career, one another quick second in regards to myself, I worked for a private college where I absolutely hated every day that I was there. But yeah. um, it, was, it was quite a negative experience in terms of the staff, student, everything to do with that place was like the worst thing pretty much for me. But mm. um, I hate, it was hell every day. I hated every moment. I remember it. you were quite sad at that time. Yeah. You, you yeah. weren't really talking to us that much either. No, no, no. I've paid, I've paid about 16 grand a, a year, making very, very little money. But yeah, so the one good, the one um, positive I can take away from that negative situation is because of how disorganized the place was, I was able to start from a, a random position in the organization where, where I was as a campus support officer telling people where their classroom was to moving around different departments because there was no contracts and everything. I was able to just move into this job we were to so that could job. just walk in on a Wednesday and be like, I'm, I'm going to go work over there. Well, it wasn't, it was, I didn't have a choice of what was happening. It was just, this is, I was told this is what's happened. I'm in this So you ended up with like loads of variety and lots yeah. of training. Yeah, so I was, yeah, I was able to get a lot of, yeah, exactly, a lot of training, a lot of stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of experience. And I was, I was able to take that experience and get like, like so many different jobs, um, better jobs, but much more paid. I'm paid like well over 20,000 pounds more than I was there. So. I was able to turn that sort of negative situation into a positive. I think that that is one of the things that I quite like about these low rung jobs is yeah. because people assume you're going to step up yeah. immediately because they put you in an almost you know shitty financial situation yeah. so that you can push for push further. Yeah. What I found frustrating was that when I knew that I was basically there um, to then have things that where opportunities were then denied and then you kind of felt like you're being used and kept in a place. Um, and I think that in that situation, actually, the only positive thing to do is to walk out. Mm. Um, but it takes a lot of balls to do that. And yeah. it's a lot of uncertainty. And I think that yeah. as a negative, yeah. um, that uncertainty is a huge, huge reason why a lot of people stay in their jobs that they're better than. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I just, you know, I mean, like, I don't regret leaving. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm glad that I stuck it out as well. Yeah. So, like, the more to the story, what I was saying is essentially just... I was able to um, just take the experience from that negative job and turn it into get a better job. And I think you can do that in a lot of jobs. You might be in a job you don't like. You're not in the position you want to be in that com- company. You want to you want to progress. You want to get to the next level. But I think sometimes just take a step back and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to better myself in the future. But right now things might be messed up for me. I'm I'm low paid. I'm not where I want to be. But use this situation to learn everything you can learn and eventually be able to take that and turn it into something positive. One of the things that I noted was that it's not just about learning the work per se, it's about learning people as yeah. a whole. Yeah. So you can see in that office, usually yeah. there'll be somebody who's been yeah. there for quite some time. And yeah. if you talk to them about what's, you know, what happens and they'll say something like, you know, well, the situation within the company and how it used to be versus yeah. how it is now yeah. and how it's slowly eroded. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you start to work out what makes a good manager and what makes a bad yeah. manager and also exactly. what makes um, what makes a good worker and what makes someone who, you know, like what makes you, ha- you know, how you, you can kind of almost see how you'll end up in some ways. Yeah. Um, and I find that actually quite a positive thing. It's sad yeah. Yeah. sometimes, but. I think it's, if, I think that when you're going for like, to move on to now to like job interviews, like, 
I think you can even take um, your experience of from not getting a job into a positive as well. Yeah, definitely. Because you learn, you learn the art of interviewing. And for, yeah. for, you, know, you learn how to do an application. You learn the skill of oh. getting a job. So even if, like, there's a lot of time I'm out of, there's a lot of time I'm in a company for a couple of years and then um, I'm out of practice of how to get into, um, how to do the whole process. And then it takes me like a couple of tries of different jobs of applying, going for an interview, interview, practicing my interview tactic to actually get the job. But like, it, it, like you can take that, I took that negative and turned it into a positive in terms of like, um, yeah, I got rejected by a job, but I've now got my head back into it. I've, I was nervous in that first job interview, but now I've got another job interview. I'm now calm. I kind of know how to conduct myself. When I, 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 I find the opposite. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> when I'm nervous, I'll start cracking out jokes and yeah. like trying to make everyone in the room laugh. Yeah. So um, for me, job interviews are actually were quite difficult. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm used to being the one who interviews them. Yeah. Um, but I found myself um, quite frustrated with the corporate zeitgeist, mm. and I think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast was because it was um, I was at that stage where it'd been nine months of trying really hard and not seeing much out of it um mm. but one of the things that i do find in as quite interesting actually is the way that people are now able to call companies on their bullshit more um like there was a i think we might have discussed it before but that whole thing with mcdonald's or some fast food chains particularly in the states were making people run through this gauntlet in the hopes of maybe being a mcdonald's server Oh, and, yeah. of it, and you know then they kind of try and bump up the job so it becomes sort of a stepping stone job mm. you can you know prestige of flipping burgers and you kind of and they, they really advertise the job beautifully well but the problem becomes that you know it's still not a good job necessarily i mean it could be it's all right i mean i'm sure they make a bit over there you know i mean i don't know how much mcdonald's people make but you know enough for them to think that it's okay to stay there but um but it's just i don't I, I found that going through the process, there were several companies that you start to learn very rapidly um, are just sucking their own dicks mm. um, and that they're actually kind of useless because there was this one company, this um, internet company that I'd never heard of, but they keep, the more they talk themselves up, the more you realize they're insignificant. Mm. Um, there's this company that was just like a f- top 500 and mm. you know, like we've got this and this and we all wear t-shirts and we've got fucking ping pong balls and shit like that and i'm like well okay great um what do you fucking do we provide solutions oh fuck off mm. i mean uh, i bet they're all furloughed uh, <laughs> <laughs> i remember i remember when i um, graduated uni in 2000 um, 2013 so when i graduated there used to be these jobs that they were advertised as graduate schemes or marketing and sales jobs or um whatever sales so they kind of like saying oh yeah it's a grad scheme and you get to start whatever at this level and it's a good um, opportunity for you to um to start up your own sort of uh, business and everything and get good business experience so um i think a lot of graduates used to apply well, i only pay you to do that good yeah business experience so, so a lot of graduates used to apply for this and it's always the same setup so you get there and it's a big group interview so you sit yeah. in this group interview and they kind of tell you, yeah, if you do get employed, you expected to sell this much. And then if you sell this much, you get to this, you'll make this money and whatever. It looks really good. It's really high paid. But mm. 
what you don't know, what you then learn, if, like what you then learn later on, along down the line, and when you get back to the, to the next stage of the interview, that it's not a proper job. It, what it is is um, you know, going door to door, like for the like the the, the different charities or selling things door to door. That's yeah. pretty much the door, the job is. And you, there's no there's, there's sales team. Yeah, yeah. Learn so, the job. In other words, here's a box. Fuck off. Yeah. It's all, it's all like um, commission-based, so there's no base salary. So if you don't no. sell it, if you don't get jack shit pretty much, you could spend yeah, 50 hours. Yeah, they push you into doing something and they get a cut yeah. that's bigger than yours and you so, get 10% or something. So it's there was like, when I graduated, there was loads of these jobs and um, you just, like literally you just click it, you just click one click and you send your application in and then, you, then they'll contact you and they're all like... So basically my first interview there, they all, I didn't say one word. I was in a group interview, I didn't say one word. I sat there. And I, I went home and I got called by the receptionist. It's always like an attractive um, receptionist calling you. Yeah, they're there. really hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. They're really, whatever, John, John really was really impressed by you. I'm like, really? And he wants you to, yeah. come, in. He wants you to come back in for a one-on-one interview. So I'm like, really? So you go in for, the, I, I went in for the interview. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to start and you can start Monday. But then, um... I was, I was dating this girl at the time and she kind of looked into it for me and kind of told me it's all like bullshit. And then I've talked to a few people about it. I realized it's not really a job. So yeah, my point is really, there was loads of these jobs coming up and um, I used to apply, they, they're titled different things. Yeah. But they, they but all have the same type of format. So you, you, you apply within like an hour, you get contacted for an interview and it's all kind of labeled the same thing with the same like, how to find us and everything. And it's like a really quick interview, so you can sort of tell it's them. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it was loads of these on like total jobs. And like, as a student, you're, apply- you're desperately applying for every job going, like marketing, yeah. business. Well, everyone's and- doing it now. I mean, like, yeah. we're all desperately applying yeah. for jobs. I think I undersold myself massively after yeah. my last job, but yeah. Uh, if I didn't, um, I don't think, I'm not sure if it's still happening at the moment, but yeah, my point was that, you get to the interview, not not you. You have a suspicion that it's one of these bullshit jobs, but because you're desperate to try and find a job, you try. You go to the interview anyway, and you're like, oh, you get there, and it's the same format. And you're like, oh, this is complete bullshit. I wasted my time coming in, but then what I did in that situation, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna practice how to interview. So although I'm not gonna work here or do this like door to door job, I don't want it's complete bullshit. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna work on my interview technique. And everything so i can when i do get a proper interview i know how to do it like, and i had like loads of these i probably over 10 of these and it kept like <clears> yeah <throat> the worst one i had though um was in brixton the last one i went there's always multiple people interviewing for the job so it'd be oh. you and somebody else or you and a group of people but yeah they want you to compete yeah, yeah. Psychology. so the last time i went to was in brixton and um i was with this guy with me and him and there was this random this guy interviewing us and um, it was just the weirdest thing ever. So he, we, we, we've gone into for this interview, and me and, me and this other guy sat there talking. And this guy just is on his phone on WhatsApp, just like texting and whatnot. And then he just gets up mid-interview, goes, oh, where's my keys? Walks out the room. And I'm like, I'm talking like, about myself. And he's like behind me. And I'm like sort of turning around like, yeah. So yeah, I, I did this job, and, I, and he's like over there, over there, behind me. Got out, the, got out of the interview, and the guy that interviewed with me was like, "I don't know about you, but that's the weirdest interview I've ever been in, been for." I took those situations just to learn how to do an interview. And um, moving away from work, though, um, how do you feel about like, um, how do you find the best way to deal with um, people in your life who are negative? So, for example, people who are sort of making you feel 
negative in life because I had a friend of mine who uh, well what I had a friend of a, of a friend and that person had quite weird depression this girl would just ring up my ex all the time just being like with this problem that wasn't really a problem um, I think that some guy jilted her and um, and but it took three months of of her ringing up every for an hour and a half just to go over and over and over it and by the end of it my ex was just like I don't give a fuck um you know and it was exhausting her but it had a very negative impact on my ex um mm. it had a negative impact on that and then of course you know like i was we were having our own problems at the time and so um you know so it really wore down on her psychology and i i just think that it wasn't the friend's fault um mm. and it wasn't my my ex's fault at all um it had nothing to do with either of them really but i mean i'm just thinking about how how to deal with um, trying to cheer someone up when they're not in a place where they can be cheered up. When you have that sort of negative mindset in yourself mm. and that and that kind of negativity breathes, you know, like... and Bring, It brings you down sad. as well. What you want to talk about. You yeah. want to talk about why you're sad because you want to fix it. Yeah. And I find this, when I have uh, major traumas, to be quite typical of me as well, is that I will obsess over a negative. Mm. as opposed to obsessing over and and the positive just kind of bounce off it's like you know for example if um you said that if uh, i don't know let's say you said that i was a prick um i would probably notice it more than if you said that i was lovely you know what i think that's what we do as human beings to be honest i think we do focus more on the negative than the positive me and my missus do it sometimes because we'd be like i wish i could get promoted i wish i could get this and i wish that you kind of focus on what you don't have and i'm thinking it kind of dawned on me the other day i'm like We've, we've both been in our jobs for about under two years and there was a time when we were applying we both applying for our jobs around about the same time as each other and we both hope praying that we can get these jobs and we both got the jobs that's a huge positive but then down the line you end up focusing on the negative like oh i haven't been promoted yet or i haven't this hasn't happened yet for me yeah so it's like oh i haven't got a pay rise i haven't got you so start focusing on oh i only make this but there's a time where you're looking at that pay and you're like, I wish I could get paid this. But now you've get now you're getting paid this. You're like, oh, I wish I wish I could get a pay rise. I wish I could get more money. Yeah, we all focus on that. I think we don't spend enough time just being thankful for the positive. I think we need to spend a bit more time in life just being thankful for every positive thing that's happened. I think the reason for that phenomenon that you're saying there is because yeah. um, there's always a carrot yeah. on the stick. Yeah. And and you know, no matter how far forward you get in life, that carrot will always be there and there will yeah. always be um for me um you know I, I was really lucky to have my first job in journalism like yeah. not meant to get one yeah it was a real real stroke of luck yeah. to have it i loved it and um, that's why it meant so much to me um yeah. i know the job i do at the moment isn't you know i mean there, there are faults with it it's a zero hours contract which is an issue yeah because it's nice to keep it to have a guarantee of keeping it but i mean there are million i mean i've industry suffocating so for me it's a huge positive to have that and like and my ego just you know hin- not doesn't hinge on that specifically yeah. there's a lot of pride to be had yeah um but i do think though that you we are inherently taught to look for the next step yeah um you know we're but in, and it also applies in consumeristic ways as well so you know i mean like does he have a nice car mm. well i mean there are people who won't go out with you if you don't have a nice car yeah um, because they think that they deserve better or some shit mm. like that. I don't know. Usually, these people are just cunts. Do you think that like that whole thing also translates into relationships as well? Yeah, definitely. On... My ex-girlfriend, my 
girlfriend back then. So not everything's about ex-girlfriends, but so this girl and I broke up and, and she um, started out as other guy. And the reason her friends didn't like me is because I wasn't making enough money for their liking. Um, and I took a long, hard look at myself. Um, I was 25, 26. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm going to have a kid in the next five, six years, potentially. I need to start really thinking about a life change. And um, I went into journalism because I originally actually wanted to improve the books I was writing because I wanted to be yeah. an author. Um, but actually then I realized that the people around me were doing journalism. Uh, I was looking out the window, looking at what they were doing and yeah. I wanted to do that. So I went out and I, by some short miracle, ended up a journalist. That's very interesting because then you took that negativity of somebody almost sabot- trying to sabotage your relationship and turned it into a positive. You, you took that negative and literally switched yeah. it around. You're doing something you like better now because of somebody's negative input in your life. In summary, yeah, it's there's nothing you can't turn positive, um, even if it takes you two years, three years. It doesn't matter. Um, I do find that with life, it's the banality of it is that everything neutralizes, which is always a positive thing, um, unless it's like permanently happy, in which case it's kind of a come down. But anyway, um, yeah, so um, thank you very much for listening to us. Um, my name's Lewis Steed. I'm Marlon White. And this is Off Point 030. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>